0: Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey, family. Hello, family. Oh, that's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Unnamed. Unnamed sound man up there. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, good. Are you you ready to... uh, you ready to receive a blessing from the Lord? Uh, I, I have a blessing that I want to pronounce over you in the name of Jesus. I expect good things for you. I, want, I eagerly want great things for your life. If you're in a rough situation, I want it to shift good. I want it to be good. And again, we have prayer ministry for that, but I'm going to start by blessing you right now. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit today. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need, whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the resilience and capacity to flourish and prevail over every challenge you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever is going on. I bless you with that. In the name of Jesus, may it be. Amen. Amen. We're going through a study in Ephesians chapter 6 with the heart behind it being, I don't want the enemy to keep blowing up your life. I don't think you want that either. But I don't want the enemy to keep blowing up your life anymore, and so we're focusing on six extremely practical... nope, we're focusing on ten... Extremely practical verses uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. And as we take them seriously and as we start to apply these things, it will seriously impact the, the enemy's ability to wreck your life in different ways. It will have a big, it, wonderful impact. Thus far we've talked about how both the Old Testament and the New Testament give us the same message about what's really going on. How that there is a very true and real invisible reality out there that God is real, the enemy is real, angels are real, demons are real, there's a very real en- uh, enemy and reality going on out there, the, the spiritual realm, and the spiritual realities affect our lives and our experiences. And we get glimpses throughout the Bible of, of how that works out. Well, Paul's warning us in Ephesians chapter 6, hey, our real battle is, is engaging in that arena, uh, spiritual forces of evil in the, in the heavenly realms. So we have this real enemy, which we've talked about, and this enemy wants to blow up your life either by keeping you far from God or not believing in God at all, definitely keeping you from experiencing the joy of living out God's plans and purposes for your life. He doesn't even want you to know them. In fact, he wants you to believe that there, there probably isn't any for for you. But you're significant. Your life is significant. God made you for a purpose, and he has placed you in this time, in this place, for reasons. Now, most people don't get to discover those because they don't discover the creator, and they don't listen to the creator to tell them why he was the, they were created, but the creator created you for amazing purposes. We want you to discover those, and so the enemy does not want you to do that, and so he tries to lie to you, and, and he effectively lies to you, and, he, and, and lots of other things, and trying to convince you, again, that God's not real, or he's not good, or you wouldn't want to get to know him anyways, and so just, don't, just ignore him, all lies. Uh, I suppose we talked last week about how the enemy is a liar, and we, we stand against his lies by truth. And when we feel angry at God or bitter at God or like we don't really want to be very close to God right now, we, we understand, okay, the enemy's at work there and we're going to stand against that by returning to these simple, simple truths, things such as God loves you, uh, God is good, he's not lying to you, he sees you, he knows, he cares, like those, those simple, simple, wonderful truths about God. That's where we've been in this study, and we've read these first couple verses in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. I'll just read them so that we're all um, on the same page here, starting in verse 10. We've looked at this, which says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. We ended mid-sentence last time, so we're adding six more words to our our study this week. The next words say, the truth buckled around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest. Righteousness like armor on your chest. Today we're going to talk about the power and place of righteousness in your life. The power and the place of, of righteousness and how huge it is. To keep the enemy from being able to blow up your life. Your mind, your heart, your emotions, your feelings, th- your, your experiences. It, we will talk about Christ's righteousness and we'll talk about that at the end. But what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 6 is personal practical righteousness. Personal practical holiness. You living a godly and, and righteous life. I suppose in contrast to last week. Last week we talked about how the liar, um, how the, the enemy is a liar and we battle against that with truth. This week we're going to talk about the enemy as the accuser. And we battle against the accusations and the accuser with righteousness. That's where we're going to go today. The enemy is an accuser though. We read this in in a praise, in a worship session in Revelation chapter 12. It's a a praise moment. And and in Revelation 12 verse 10 we read, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters of Christians, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. One of, one of the one of your understandings of what's going on in the invisible spiritual realms is there is this enemy, an accuser, standing before God, accusing you, bringing up your sins and I mean, in theory, uh, sins and mistakes, uh, your, your your missteps, the the unrighteousness, and and holding them before God. You, you can kind of picture. Like, last week we talked about Job and, and in the Old Testament how how you have this. Uh, dialogue between Job and God. Now, in Job's case, his righteousness was, was firm and, and strong, but that idea of the enemy trying to, um, to hold your righteousness up before God, your unrighteousness up before God, and, and in that accusation try to get him to discipline you or let him discipline you or something like that. Now, again, he's, he's just trying to get, the is trying to accuse you so that God will remove his protection from your life, not your salvation your salvation's not at risk but uh, he would like to wreck things as much as God will give him permission for and we don't want that we don't want that that wrecking in our lives and and so that's a, that's a spiritual shot now now at the church level at the human level paul writes a really disturbing couple words in first corinthians chapter 5 connected to the enemy wrecking believers life and lives and it says about this one in first corinthians 5, five, it says Hand that one over, that that person in the church who's continuing to persist in sexual sin. Hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Yikes. Nobody wants that. Nobody. Nobody wants that. When there's a lack of righteousness in our lives when their life has uh, diso- intentional disobedience and ungodliness, we open up the doors of our lives. We, it's like we fling off the armor of righteousness and we stand there without, uh, without uh, much protection there for the enemy to be able to get in and just wreak havoc on our lives. Blow up our lives. Again, we're not losing our salvation, but we will be saved in the end, in the, in the end but, but the enemy can have such an awful impact on your, your experience of life. I said this at the beginning. I will say this again in a few more weeks. I may say it a few more times just, just to keep us focused. In this study, one of the main things that I want to keep um, championing is I want to see us put an end to Christian streaking. I said this a few weeks ago, I want us to be seeing an end to Christian streaking, and and if you're new here, you're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I know, you should see the Christian streakers. And what a Christian streaker is, is somebody who's running around with the helmet of salvation only, and nothing else. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. No righteousness, no truth. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've got, but I'm saved, and that seems like, the other. And, I, and, I, and man, you cannot, I mean, salvation is huge. It's so significant. I love it. I cherish it. I will not say anything, but there's, there's more, friends. There's more. And one of the things, uh, one of the sure signs of Christian streaking is an apathy towards righteousness or reducing the value of having a hunger for righteousness, a, a, a desire to be wholehearted, in running after Jesus with godliness and, and righteousness. Uh, no, no Christian streakers around here. We're, not, we're, we're, we're moving away from that. We're moving away from that. Anyways, uh, righteousness. Righteousness. Without righteousness, two potentially significant things can happen. Which we don't want to have happen. First of all, we may experience. Uh, God may bring us into an era of discipline. He does this in the Bible. Uh, God, God disciplines those he loves. Uh, we see examples of what that looks like sometimes in little glimpses uh, of behind the scenes throughout the Bible that often he just allows the enemy to, to do some stuff, to, to, uh, to impact a person. I want to remind us when it comes to God's discipline, he disciplines those he loves. He loves. He disciplines his children who, when, and only when, when they are disobeying him. When they're disobeying Him, when they're choosing to ignore His plans for their life, His direction for their life, the the call of righteousness for a life, and His loving heart behind this is God knows the purposes that He has for you. God knows the ministry he has for you. God knows the impact he has for you. And that is best done and it will be most accomplished as you walk in his ways and you walk in his righteousness. So in his love, he's trying to bring you back to the place where you will be uh, most hitting your, your purpose for existence in a great way. And, and, that's, and that's such a, it's a great thing to be a part of. It. It's the path of most happiness and, and peace and joy and significance. And, and Jesus, the enemy lies to you and says, oh, righteousness is no fun. No, it is. It it is fun. The other way is empty. Anyway, so uh, it brings God can bring you into era of discipline. Or secondly, the enemy can attack our confidence connected to our connection with God. And the enemy can attack our confidence connected to our connection with God. And I'm I'm pretty sure you know what this is like. Let's say you you've been sinning for a while and and you know it and 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 then you have a a, an important God moment. Maybe you're going to tell somebody about Jesus. Or you're going you're to pray for a friend or something like that. And all of a sudden, the accuser starts lowering your faith levels. Oh man, you did that. Do you really expect God to do this for you now? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I want to, I'm about to surprise you. Sometimes, not, not happy about this, but I do sin. What? I visited this church at the pastor sins? What a, I'm going to go to a, another church where a different pastor sins. No, you know, we all. Okay, so I do. I know, shocking. Okay, take a breath. Okay, so sometimes if I sin in a particular week, I will approach Sundays with lower faith. Because the, I have pulled off the, 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 the righteousness, the armor connected to righteousness, and I am wide open for the enemy to accuse me effectively. So that I don't step up here and, and preach in the faith that I want to have. I'm, some days I might feel really doubt filled. Oh, man. I blew it this week. I'm probably going to look like an idiot. I'm probably I mean, more than normal. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm to struggle up there uh, more than normal. I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself more than normal. Like I, I'm just, it's just, and the enemy can just start bombarding me because I've ripped off the, the righteousness, the righteousness armor, and he can just have an effective blast fest on Brian's soul and, and, and faith. But I need to do this in faith, like what we need to do in Christ. We need to do things in faith, and the enemy can just rip that, rip that out of us. The enemy wants us to misapply appropriate conviction. The enemy wants us to misapply conviction. He wants us to feel guilt and shame. Now, the proper response to the accusation is, oh, that's right. That's right. I, I need, I'm going to run to Jesus. I messed up. Jesus, forgive me. I agree with you that I totally messed up. Your way is the right way. What I did was the wrong way. We're on the same page. I agree with you. I recommit my life to living a godly life in Christ Jesus, to, 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 to enjoy the kingdom of God, which is full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I am excited about uh, being I'm returning to righteousness with, with all my heart, wholehearted, running after you like that's the proper response to conviction but the enemy wants wants us to misapply our guilt by stepping away from God for a bit or the church he wants us to distance ourselves from God and God's people and and to, to feel like oh we we shouldn't probably be around them or we don't want to draw close because because we've 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 made mistakes and, and, and we, should, we shouldn't be there. Th- th- those are lies. Those are part of the accusation work of the enemy. Again, the right response is to run to Jesus. And sometimes the enemy wants us to double down when we're in the process of, we're on the path of unrighteousness and, and just be like, well, you know, I've started down this, this path maybe a little bit longer. It's, it's not going to be any worse or what's well, another couple days of this or, or whatever. Just keep going a little bit longer. The Holy Spirit's like, stop, stop today. Stop now. Stop stop for good. But the enemy gets in there, and he starts accusing us and, and egging us on and uh, trying to just get us stuck in, in bad places, in bad sin cycles, justifying it. When you're living though, in unrighteousness, your armor's off. Your armor's off, and it's wide open for all kinds of, uh, of attack. I want to take this a different direction for a moment. Take this a different direction. I can't speak for every generation, but why not, why not try? No, I'll speak, I'll speak for the generations that I'm looking at right now. Um, the current generations, I can, you can just tell from media, however you consume it, you know, whether it's on TV, if people watch that anymore, TikTok, whatever, uh, however you consume it, media, I would, I would say that it's not a shocking statement that our generation is rather obsessed with the body their appearance, the, the, their body. They're, they're, that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, again, not, not dropping some huge bombs on anybody. This is just, just seems pretty normal. Health, fitness, sex-obsessed. There, there's something significant about the body, and, 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 that, and that's known. It's known and it's felt, and so, but it's, there's a lot of misapplication of what we should use this body for and what we should focus on. But your body was created by God for a purpose. Your body, not just you, your, your, your physical body, it was created for a purpose. Do you know what your purpose of your body is? And, and ideally, everybody on, every body on planet Earth, like the, everybody is created for a purpose. But believers get the chance to fulfill this purpose. And what, are, what is it that they're created for? They're created to be. A holy and righteous temple of the Holy Spirit, of God himself. Your body is created to be the temple of of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but a person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You should know this, people, as Paul is writing. Don't you know? This is, this is known. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are, for you are bought at a price, so glorify God with your, your body. So the fact is, your, your body is special. It is a temple. It is supposed to be a holy temple. It is supposed to be a righteous temple of the Holy Spirit. It's connected in in this kind of imagery to the Old Testament temple, maybe Solomon's temple. Solomon Solomon builds this big temple in Jerusalem, and and God is worshipped there lots of times. But other times, the enemy kind of gets in there. and You read about different eras, like in the era of King Manasseh, where they don't worship God anymore in the temple, where the worship of God stops. It's not fulfilling its purpose. Then there's other eras where you have a dual... Or more, multi-worship going on in the temple. Yes, God, and other, other things. That was not okay. And and the same with our bodies as temples. They're made for the worship of God alone. A temple of the Holy Spirit Only. And and yet, most people, those who don't know God, they they use their bodies as temples to other other gods. But I even see in in God's people sometimes a a multi-worship temple. Yeah, I I worship God, but I also worship, I don't know, just thinking of the Greek gods here, uh, Aphrodite, Uh, sexual immorality, love, lust, pornography, whatever. There's an obsession with that. I worship God. And, and I, or maybe I in my temple, I worship God and and Zeus. I want to be the most powerful person in the room. I want to be the most successful person. Want, success drives me. Wealth drives me. I want to I want to, leadership drives me. I, I want to be in charge of, of everywhere I go. I want to throw lightning bolts at people. Well, okay, maybe that's too far. Uh, but Zeus, or or maybe it's like people are like a God and and pan this wildness. I, I I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I want to just be a free spirit and, and and no no obligations, no accountability, and just be able to do whatever I want without any consequences. And just just live. wow, or or Dionysus like like alcohol or drugs. It's just like just, just just gonna be out of. I'm gonna worship God, but also I'm gonna be completely enslaved with with drunkenness and and things like that. Or, or maybe, maybe like God and, and Hercules. I'm going to just be so ripped, and I'm going to focus in the gym and my body and all this kind of stuff. And I and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, that's clearly Brian's downfall. <laughs> Not the time to laugh. What happened there? That's, your your body was made for a purpose, to be holy, to be righteous. God alone. Now again, it's great to be healthy, and it's great to you know. There, there's a lot, but but with all those things, there's lines. Leadership is great, and, and things. Like that, but but there's lines where where good things become God things, and you can't let the good things like being healthy become a God thing, a worship thing, a God obsession thing. So the the, the simple question that we are assessing in our in our hearts and our lives right now is: Do you? And do you need a a temple cleansing? Do you need a, is it time for a temple cleansing? A time to get back to worshiping God alone in holiness and in righteousness? Do you need a temple rededication? I'm going to rededicate my body, the temple of my body to holiness and godliness. Not Aphrodite, not Zeus, not anything else. To godliness. When you gave your life to Jesus, that was the gig. It's Jesus, just Jesus, Jesus only. We, we say, we love, we just, before we say love the Lord your God with all your heart, you're like, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Only the Lord alone. That That's the gig. That's what our, what our bodies are, are supposed to be temples about. Now, <laughs> righteousness, friends. Righteousness. This kind of righteousness, it keeps the armor in place so that the accuser, Can't just keep blowing up our lives. I know that I've been speaking in mostly negative terms. That is the context. There's a war going on, and the armor is for that sort of protection. But just a couple reminders of perks of righteousness. Jesus says some beautiful things about righteousness. You're reading in the Beatitudes, and Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. For they will be filled. You, you talk to other people who are trying to be filled by the worshiping of other gods and unrighteous things, and you really ask them, do you feel filled and fulfilled? You will probably hear, I feel empty and And hollow. I ran after fulfillment and I ended up feeling empty. But righteousness, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I had to add this other one, two verses later. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see. Amazing perks. If I had time, I'd remind you of the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He is noted as a righteous guy, a righteous man, a Roman, non Jewish, sorry, a Gentile centurion, a Gentile, not Jewish. God chose. Cornelius, and what we know about him, his, his righteousness, his, his, his alms, his generosity to the poor, his righteousness rose up to God like an offering, and so God looked over the entirety of Gentile humanity and chose Cornelius to be the first to believe in Jesus and to be filled with the Holy Spirit of all the Gentiles. He and his family, Acts chapter 10, 9 and 10. And he actually went out of his way to do this, to get the right people there, to get people there so that he would hear the message of Jesus preached. It wasn't like just he just happened to be walking by and respond. That, that was a gift because of his righteousness. And it wasn't just a gift to him, as most uh, gifts of righteousness are, not just to him, but to his family, to his household, to the people around him in, in, in his life. Righteousness, it's a joy, friends. It's a joy, it's a joy, and it's the path for living that significant life that, that God's, God's called us to. So that's the way to be filled with, with righteousness, to have that, the armor of God on. Before I wrap up, I want to talk about Christ's righteousness just really briefly and how it impacts us. The theological phrase is imputed righteousness. Now, we have to be careful with this. The beauty of, what is imputed righteousness? Well, just cut off the first two letters. Cut off the last two letters. Put righteousness. Like, it's Jesus' righteousness put on you. That's what it is. Put righteousness. Uh, okay? So that, that's his idea placed upon us. One of, one of the great things that Jesus does for you when, you when you believe in Jesus is he takes all of the unrighteousness, all the ungodliness off of you, and it goes on to him nailed to the cross. And you get put on you, imputed onto you, all of Jesus' righteousness and just that. So you have, you have all of Jesus' righteousness. It, it, it's beautiful. There, you can see why there can be no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. There can be none because you only have Christ's righteousness. All the unrighteousness is, is, is nailed to the cross and, and Jesus' righteousness has been put on you. Great news. How can you possibly be condemned? There's 100% no way that you can be condemned. I love, I love that. I love that. Now, that's, that's the good news, but we can't misuse this. There, there, we have to make sure we understand this rightly and don't overapply or misapply this beautiful truth. Yes, we have imputed righteousness of Christ, but... God also sees you. He's not, he's not blind. You, you look at Jesus walking amongst the seven churches in Revelation chapter 11, and, and he's seeing it. He's seeing, oh my goodness, this sexual immorality in the church has got us up, or I'm closing this church. He walks around and he sees, wow, this compromise or this naivety to, to what the enemy's doing or this, this, this twisted, whatever the case, this corrupt God. Like he's walking around. He sees. He sees what's going on. If, if you want to take this idea of imputed righteousness and say, therefore, it doesn't matter how I live, you need to read more of your Bible, friends. Imputed righteousness is true, but also God, God sees. And, and that opens up the door for the accuser to start ripping into you. And trying to convince God it's time for discipline. God disciplines those he loves because he actually sees. And he wants to get people back on track. How do you get the breastplate of righteousness back on? Real repentance. Real repentance. How do you get it back on Real repentance. You go to Jesus. You confess. You agree with Jesus, that you were wrong, you commit to returning to a godly life and righteous li- life in Christ Jesus, and you need to break off the work of the enemy that's come against your life. This gets skipped. You repent, but you know, we've seen now that there's an invisible war going on. The enemy's trying to wreck your life. You, you repent, and then you say, now, I forbid the enemy from attacking me in the area of this anymore. I've repented. I've turned. I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to let this have a, a grip on my life. I break this off in the name of Jesus. The enemies are messing with me in this area. It, that area is over now in the name of Jesus. And then you walk in righteousness. And, and you, you get back to it. Real repentance. Real repentance it's returns the armor of God. So part of the great news of, of, of being a Christian is all the sin, all the reasons why you feel like Jesus shouldn't accept you. All the reasons why you, you think that God may not like you. All the reasons that you might think that uh, you, you have some doubts as you stand before, all of those reasons have been pulled off you, nailed to the cross. And all the reasons why Jesus is so worthy of heaven and, and eternity with God, that, that righteousness gets put on you. I, I love that. That's why we keep saying anyone, any background, any baggage, a, any, any, uh, any life story, anyone, any evil can come to Jesus, be forgiven and saved without doubt why we say that and that's why we also say to Christians Christians with any sin with any sin can also repent and return to this righteous life in Christ Jesus and get that armor of righteousness back on so that you can take your stand maybe yesterday was a stumble let today be your reset and stand strong The challenge for today is this. It's rededication week. Make this week a rededication week of your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit only. What needs to be repented of and cleared out so that you can return to righteousness? Yeah. So we're going to Have a moment here. Why don't you close your eyes with me? And and just say, God, search my heart, oh God. Search my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Is there anything that needs to be ended? You have that chat with Jesus? I don't care if it's a hard chat. You agree with him that that needs to be ended. And you resolve with his help to end it. And then you insist that any enemy work there, any enemy foothold be broken off in the name of Jesus. Maybe you you find yourself here today without even a hint of a desire for righteousness. Or maybe that desire is low. This is the moment. God, grant me a hunger for righteousness. That I would hunger and thirst for righteousness. That I would crave it. That that would be the, the desire of my heart to live a righteous and godly life before you. God, we love you and we, we ask you for, we, we praise you for your grace. We gr- praise you for our salvation. We say you are good, your righteousness is good. Everything about you is, is good. Restore to us the joy of salvation and put your right spirit within us. That would be hunger and thirst for righteousness as a people in Jesus' name.